Hello, this is Improvised Radio Theatre with Dice, with me, Michael Kuehl. And me, Roger Bell West. And this month, the heat, oh, the damned heat and the flies, and the, the reduced heating bills. We are in the middle of what passes for a heat wave in, in England. Oh, t- today I'm actually wearing clothes again, so it can't be too bad. For which I think, dear listeners, we should all be deeply grateful. So, uh, this, uh, this month we are planning on t- talking about planning, and whether it's good to have plans, and how many plans you should have, and how, how you should get to the point at which you can say, right, the planning has finished. Hold on, lads, I've got a great idea. <laughs> Oh, yeah. And also, we're going to be talking about secrets, deep secrets, buried deep, possibly nasty secrets. And the revelation thereof. Is it going to break your campaign? Is it going to break the players' hearts? Um, Are they going to break it over my head when I do it? Uh, just just before we move onward, uh, thank you to Robert Wolf who dropped some money in our tip jar. This you, does sir. encourage us to keep uh, doing the show. And uh, if you would like to join him, uh, paypal.me slash rogerbw and say it's for ARTD so that I know I should give some to Mike. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Onward. Our good friends um, at the Bundle of Holding have sent us notice that they are currently in the midst of a cultural event of significance of which echoes down the ages as they bring to us another creative work which is of deep and lasting significance, at least to everybody who's listening to this. Um, They are doing a bundle of Dork Tower and uh, they have put together most of Dork Tower, if not all of Dork Tower. Uh, well, cer- certainly the early years. Um, this does include the collections volumes 1 to 8, which gets you the first 29 issues of the actual comic, which I haven't seen generally available before. Presumably they would be available in places where people buy comics. Uh, it does not, for example, contain the Tower of Igor, which was, which was the volume 9 collection, and it doesn't have uh, stuff particularly since then. But there's an awful lot of the early Dork Tower here. And the recent Dork Tower, of course, is on Kovalik's website, so... Yeah, the ta- oh, the Tower of Egoa, which is 30 to 35 and not yet released. So I can't get any sense of, of when the, these were published uh, from Wikipedia. But um, this is certainly most of it. Um, most of it so far, since it is ongoing. Yeah, um... I believe that Go Dork Go, which is volume eight, is the complicated, fiddly, um, these are the ones that were on the website and not previously published in magazines and are therefore collected oh. there. And then there's the, then there's Dork Decade, which is the stuff from Shardis magazine and so on. Okay. Well, it's doing its best to be comprehensive. Okay. There is enough to be going on, on with here. This is one of the several comics which have evolved around the gaming hobby, and it's one of the ones that I find, unlike some of the others, actually well-drawn, actually well-written, actually Yeah, funny. I think it's the, the only one of these that is both still running and that I'm still reading. Hmm. Well, he's, uh, 
he's got a a certain um a certain eye for the dorkish geekish i'm not quite sure of the difference of those uh personality types and uh and i rereading some of these i've been thinking how i classify my um the players in my in my games are they igors are they kens or are they are they Carson the Muskrat? <laughs> are, are we not all the Muskrat, really? I, I I believe I believe Carson the Muskrat was um, he ca- he came over from an earlier uh, comic strip which he had um, uh, which had been uh, Kavalik had been been doing which wasn't so successful, and he initially saw him as his self insert in, into the in, into the comic. Though I believe there is a, a character. Uh, who emerges later on? Who is more self-insert than than the Muscratis? Uh, yeah, often talking about aging. <laughs> I find um, so th- these comics, uh, at least the ones I've looked at, are black and white. The early ones are pretty early, and mm-hmm. some of the some of the art is crude at times. But I mean, it's it's not, to be fair, a um, you know one of those complicated art pieces with multi-layered backgrounds and all the rest of it. Anyway. It's there to let you know what's going on. It's it's a comic strip. It's a comic strip, in the, and uh, it would be invidious of me to compare it with, let us say, to name an example at random uh, the nights of the dinner table for art quality. Um, well, the problem I have with that is not so much the art quality, but the fact that I just hate these people and I would never want to play with them. Whereas these guys, yeah, I mean they're not all they're, they're not always doing the things you would want a player to do, but one can at least understand them as people rather than stereotypes. Yeah. I do tend to identify with Matt, the GM. I think I'm more cheerful than he is, um, long, uh, long time scale, but I do share his urge to do something better, something more and, 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 and more wonderful and, and, and immersive and... and, and here is this glorious structure of campaign. Yes. What, what is the one thing that will bring it crashing down? Oh, right, the players. Yes. Um, I think I think I'm more inclined to think I've let myself down uh, when, when it's not as glorious as I hope it was, um, and uh, and not my players. Well, not always my players. Sometimes C- my coming coming next on the psychology of offline gamers. Yeah. Yeah. This, uh, you can most of our episodes invo- involve my my uh, overarching ambitions and the reasons why I never get around to them, as is traditional and almost realistic. The women in the uh, in the strip are um, more sensible, but not entirely. I mean, if if they were totally sensible, they wouldn't be hanging around with these dorks. But uh, are, are are better and um, more stable individuals than the men. Um, I think that's generally true. Uh, but it may be. The... I don't think any of these is a particularly subtly drawn character. To be fair, hmm. I mean they're not complete stereotypes, but they're cartoons. They're carto- they're, yeah. They are they are caricatures and and outlines. I was just commenting upon the romantic nature of gamers of all ages. I think we rec- uh, we recommend this. Um, I recommend it anyway. I don't know about Roger. I think you'll yeah, find it, it fun. I've been reading the website for a while, but uh, these comics have not been generally available except in the um, 
graphic collections, which are you know, expensive as comics tend to be. Don't argue with that, but I have other things to spend money on. So, yeah, a, a good deal, even if I were, were actually paying for it. Uh, as always, we point out that... Uh, well, uh, we, 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 we get free samples. That's true. Yeah. Uh, so this is running... Uh, it's, it's quite a short deal, but it ends on the 5th of July. So those of you who are in the good habit of listening to us early in the month will benefit from that, and we wish to encourage such behaviour. I think we've addressed this point before, um, in passing, if not in detail. We are large, we contain multitudes. Uh, we we babble and bullshit a lot as well. Uh, but what I want to talk about is the extent to which you can surprise your um, uh, your players with something that wasn't specific at the start of um, the campaign, when you pitched it to them. Now, the reason I started thinking about this was because of... uh, I was thinking about starting fantasy campaigns and finding settings that hadn't been done. And And what started me off on this path was thinking about uh, the Lord of the Rings, and specifically the chapter called The Shadow of the Past, which Tolkien said was one of the first he wrote, and was the most deeply embedded in the back, in the background. You have this innocent-looking, um, though secretly de- a desperate uh, hobbit, who is being taught that um, the entire past of his universe, of his world is suddenly um, applying directly to him and all the th- things that he thought of as pleasing stories and myths are real as all get out and um, and they are going to concern him intimately and talking being an honest person as far as one knows um, gave it uh, presented this at the start of the story he said look things are crawling out of the woodwork there are lots of things you don't know about yet, um, but they are—they are—they apply to you. And I thought, hang on, is it possible to design a campaign in which something deep in the past, something long forgotten, something really surprising, is going to be discovered as you do? the routine part, the part that you sold to the players. This is the, this is a long-term project, and I probably haven't got the patience to do it. But I think it feels good. In the old days, Gygax and others could do things uh, like um, let them discover that they've just, had to, they've just quested to the edge of their known world and found a starship. Or they've just quested to the edge of the known world and they've just found that they've been on a starship their entire lives. I'd like to introduce something as shocking as that or as surprising as that. But it would be, uh, 
buried deep in the prehistory and in the layers of what looks like, to start with, a fairly standard fantasy setting. Is this, is this going to violate my player's sense of trust? The thing that occurs to me here, first of all, is the the you you've just described. Uh, let, let's take the Tolkien example as a reasonably positive way of doing this. Um, I think the players in that in the situation of that hypothetical game are going to be reasonably happy about it. Yeah. The the far side of that, um, and thing that. We've talked briefly before about uh, GM and player miscommunications and the, and the bait and switch mm. game. You know, you thought you thought you signed up for campaign A, but really it's campaign B. Um, as an example, and a certain amount of cross promotion because Ribbon of Memes is coming back. It's being released on the same day we released this. In fact, pretty much at the same moment. Um, <laughs> and we will be talking about the Matrix films. So, I mean, a thing you could do is say, yeah, yeah you, you 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 have been playing Papers and Paychecks. But what really matters is, yeah, and that would that would definitely irk me as a player. And I think looking at those two in contrast, the point is one of them is saying all that stuff that you struggled and cared about that meant nothing. Hmm. And I think that 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 would be a huge mistake. Yeah, I, Mu- I, I, much more important, much better to say all that stuff you tr- you struggled and cared about that still matters, and there is also this stuff which interlinks with it. I think I'm going for a, yes, I'm going for a, a mid ground there. The, all the stuff you you have cared about um, still matters. You still love your family. You still want to to uh, champion your your civilization. You still want the evil evil ones to be done down, but also. There is also this other terrible truth that you're having to adapt to, to accept. Um, the, I find the Matrix as an idea just daft. Not, uh, not only to, to, as it's pre- presented, I could only sit through the first one. I'm terribly sorry. Oh, um, no, not, not, this is a valid reading of, of the, of the four films. <laughs> yeah. But not only does it, um, not only d- does it uh, not work as an explanation for the initial cosmos, and I don't believe any of the subsequent explanations do any better, but it also it produces a an end universe which it is very difficult to have to care about. I mean, uh, it's a universe in which, in which seeking nirvana and nothingness and nothing caringness actually might make sense because yeah um everything else is sin you know but yeah you know, i could very easily see a campaign starting off you know uh, that you you are bold space adventurers or whatever and then you know session 5 and then there is a glitch in the universe and and you you find out that that you've been locked into this simulation by whatever and you have to escape from it and the actual uh. world outside is something completely different and yeah, that that would be not fun because, specifically because it's saying all all this stuff that you've spent time uh, thinking about, like you know your your friends and enemies in the world. Yeah, this this is all can trivially be reset, possibly by you. So why why do you care anymore? And the it's a thing I find occasionally in fiction as well. There is a specific 
a piece of authorial sleight of hand which says, you cared about this, ha ha, silly you, it wasn't real. And some some people like books in which that happens. Some of them have been very well reviewed, but that seems to me always the author is just slightly slapping you in the face. As a as a counterexample to that, I will point out um, I have a perverse uh, fondness for Jack Chalker's books, and The Well of Souls basically says uh, the Well of Souls sequence basically says that the entire universe is a simulation on top of a more basic universe, and the simulation is breaking down. And if you want there to be anything left, you have to do this set of heroic deeds reset the universe to something, to a new cycle, and go on. Um, and that's, that, that, he makes that feel, that feel heroic. The, the idea that you are creating something that, however temporary, will be a place for sentient life to go on in. Um, that, that, that actually works. But yeah, um, the, the, the bit in... Um, this is the reason why, why um, Red Dwarf had to go back to the original setting rather than saying, yes, yes, we're a bunch of dweebs stuck in a terrible universe. Uh, they are a bunch of dweebs, but they're stuck in a different te- terrible universe. So I, th- I think what I'm getting at here is that the direction okay. in which the revelations point should be the same as a direction in which things are already pointing. You know, mm. there, there, there were these mysterious... Um, Black riders that people have heard, heard rumours about, but yeah. you, but you thought they were just something to frighten kids with. Yeah, those are the actual black riders who are these nine kings or were originally, mm. and and you know that could be you if you don't watch out. Yeah, the the it's consistent in what I think I am saying is that what I want to to achieve is a. Um, is a revelation in which which will cause them to question, but not necessarily throw away who they are. They have disco- they discover that they are not their ancestors were not their their world is not founded upon the basis that it is, and they have to pick up and go on and find and find it. I suppose if their standards of of decency, of of morality, of virtue, if that's what they're interested in, still apply, or can be made to apply in the in this new set of circumstances. And I'm not quite sure how one does that, or the extent which one can do that. Uh, it's 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 interesting and notable that. Nobody shivers with horror at the bits that um, H.P. Lovecraft thought were horrible. Or at least not most. No, I mean, maybe well, the, the bit where your ancestor turned out to be black. <laughs> I, I, th- I think it was enough to cause him to shiver if your ancestor turned out to be Irish. Um, the, uh, <laughs> uh, the, 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 the uncaring universe thing. You reveal to a modern set of, of individuals, gamers especially, um, that, that there is no, no morality, no hope, no God, everything is terrible, and the universe is out to destroy you. And you'll get, um, you'll get those who say, oh, no, no, God is still there, 
Those who say, yeah, and, and those who say, how do you know that? Uh, uh, I'm going to quote again John Dalman, whom I'm sure I've mentioned uh, this particular uh, quote on the, on the podcast before. A lot of our sand loss is prepaid these days. We have, after all, got used to space travel, chaos theory, nuclear weapons, genetic engineering and the Holocaust. And yeah, Lovecraft's writing is cutting edge science fiction of his day. And I think this is a thing people miss about it. It, it is very much inspired by the popularisation of the theory of relativity. Well, they tell me that string theory is going tits up at the moment. So, um, I, mind you, string theory never really lodged itself into the popular imagination the way um, Darwinism did in the 19th century. So I don't suspect. I suspect that uh, uh, that people will take the news that the physicists are having to think again. With oh uh, yeah, right. So yeah, the thing that relativity takes away from you specifically. I mean, you've already lost the heliocentric or terracentric and then heliocentric yeah. universe, and that now you're saying you you there is no place that you can rely on as being an absolute standard of location or yeah. speed. It's it's all depends entirely on where you're observing from. That absolute that last absolute standard has been taken away, and that that Everyone, is what Lovecraft is scared of. Yeah, well, where I am sitting is the absolute centre of the universe at all times, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> yes, but only for you. That's the point. Uh, who else were you looking for one for? Well, this is this is the thing. If if you if you're the more authoritarian type, then you want to say here is the centre, and you you lot must all agree that this particular spot is the centre. Honestly, I'm not. I, I I think I should rejoice that I'm not a moral authoritarian, as far as I can tell. Um, the the problem here is not only the the surface campaign that you're creating. It has to be appealing, and it has to meet. Uh, has to be a thing you can sell to the players. Um, you can say, let me see. Now you are uh, you are in a pseudo Oriental um, empire, and you are the um, the the team. Well, I've done this before recently in a different setting. The team of the local magistrate going about um, doing your duty. Investigating crime and enemies of the empire, and that's and they play that and they do that and they enjoy that, and then something else comes along, and they say, "You mean this was like this all along?" And does that inevitably feel like a betrayal? Well, I think it is important not to close the gate on the old. Yeah, I mean, maybe we're not going to go back to it, but. It should still be there, it should still be valid, it should still have mattered. I'm coming back to my same point. Um, and that does restrict what you can add as a revelation. Um, ah, you, you might well say, for example, those, those barbarians over the border whom you completely ignored because they're just barbarians have these particular characteristics. And um, our, our, these modern Western players may regard those barbarians as, as, frankly, a much more enlightened society than the empire they've been working for. All right. Well, for one of the one of the things I was thinking is that the the players discover that though they their legends say they were uh, they are the descendants of the great race of the old time. They discover that they're, they're actually they're not. They're they're another species entirely, 
which moved in and took took over what they found, and um, and it, it attacks their their imperial sense of themselves. Yeah, and that that seems to me good. It doesn't say no, it, it may well say maybe we shouldn't be in charge in the long term, but it does not say. I should immediately quit my job and go off and do a completely different thing because, you know, whether or not you are the rightful uh, yeah. definers of order, some sort of order needs to be kept. Yes, but the British Empire was based on um, something John Dee whipped up out, out of the Arthurian legends. <laughs> I mean, it was it was it, it, it was was fantasy fanfic right from the start. Mm-hmm. Um, and nowadays people are objecting to being told that, uh, well, as far as I can tell, Cambridge is telling people that uh, the term Anglo-Saxon is a later academic adaptation and nobody at the time thought of themselves as that. And anyway, the genetic evidence says uh, it's not real anyway. I think that one thing one can take advantage of is the split between player and character perspective. Um, consider, for example, Tickumel. Uh, yeah. Now you're welcome to disagree with me on this because you know it much better than I do. But okay. it is it has always seemed to me, casually reading about it, that it's pretty clear from a player perspective, and it may even be explicit, that there was an ancient technological civilization and something oh, went yes. wrong, and now there isn't anymore. Oh yes, that's that that that's gen- it's not generally it's the sort of thing that academics know. Yeah. Well, that's but that's it- the thing. So from a so a player who's read a bit, as I have, may well know this, their character does not. To a character, finding out about this could be a major revelation. Well, look, I mean... But to a player uh, it isn't, and a, and a player will say, yeah, okay, so so my character now knows that, and, and I can enjoy role-playing my character being confused, but I am not confused. Therefore, yeah. therefore it, does, it loses some of that negative energy. Hmm. I... Yeah, um, that... Barker was one of the people who um, who had uh, evidence of spacefaring technology hanging around on the fringes. There's a place called the Plain of Towers on uh, the far west of the northern continent, I think it is, or the far east, one of the two. And uh, and that that is where the old spacecraft landed, and as some of them are still standing, and some of the natives have built up... Built up um, Towers in imitation mm-hmm. of them, and that's uh, and that that apart from anything else is a dead giveaway. Is a dead giveaway, but um, so it's a yeah. big revelation to the sort of people who care about that sort of thing. But it doesn't break the campaign. Yeah, I, yeah. I suppose. I, Whereas, if more spaceships suddenly arrived and said, "Right, Leo, join the Galactic Federation," that would break the campaign. Yeah, they. I, I believe that Barker had several layers of surprises beyond that to go with but including the cause of the um, including the cause of Tecumel dropping out of the main universe and into its pocket universe and how to put it back and the relationship that had to the gods and to uh, the pariah gods and how I really wish he had managed in uh, he had managed to start uh, managed to write some of that down as opposed to, and left it for uh, for us to enjoy, as opposed to the obnoxious things he did start writing. Mm. Humph, harumph, harumph. I, well, I guess that's what he was getting paid for. But even so, I think it was. I think it was more, more of a labour of love than um, uh, than just the uh, 
Anyway, anyway, leaving aside the sins of our of our ancestors, forebears, and founders of the of the hobby, I I do want it to be something of a shock to the players. Um, I I want at least at some but I can't dictate uh, what the level of immersion of my players is going to be or how seriously they will take the characters and identify with the way they look at the universe. I have to say that in in keeping with my, my general principle of more communication broadly being a good thing, and particularly now now that most of the people I play with are not novices to role-playing or indeed novices to life, but people yeah. of um, years, sure, years, years. years of discretion, oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but also people who've been gaming for perhaps a while and are used to thinking about this sort of thing. So if, if I say to my players in this campaign that you know the setup is X and Y and there may be some surprising changes... I think, yeah. This, I, I, this, I would be inclined to do that these days, simply because I trust my players to say, "Okay, uh, you know, this is Roger. We know Roger. He's not going to completely break the universe, but we're not going to be thrown by it either." I, I, I think I can promise my players I will not break the universe pointlessly, which is what I think <laughs> Matrix does. Um, to to discover. That to discover that everything you know is wrong, but uh, is is not that thrilling, unless it says to you, "But now you know that you can now go in this direction or do this thing." Bearing in if mind they, that this is also the mental evolution by which you join a cult or a terrorist right. group, and yeah, <laughs> I, it's also the means by which you, which you, could, if you, if it was real, you could found a cult or a terrorist group. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, yeah. I, yes, it's, I, it's a little cooler this week, so I'm, so I'm wearing actual clothes rather than robes. <laughs> <laughs> That's your excuse and you're going to stick to it. I, I, I think on the whole, I don't want to, um, I don't want to lampshade, um, uh, 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 put the premonition filter on too much of the initial setup. I want the, the the fantasy bit to be satisfying and and consistent in itself until the the point at which other things happen and other things um, and, and other things reveal. I'm at the moment um, involved in a traveller campaign, not the one you're in. Which reveals things about the state of the traveller universe, and um, and and which might give some of the players extra super my minor extra super duper powers. Hmm. Um, and I'm not sure the character. I'm not sure any of them have any um, deep commitment towards the traveller universe or any sense of what it's like. It would take twenty years to build up that sort of devotion, I think, which is why I somewhat doubt my ability to start this and play it through to the end. I might, I think, I would have to make sure that I find the surface as interesting as I find the stories, and yeah, the, the deep stories. I, I would say, to some extent, take advantage of other people's work. Um, for the traveller campaign of yours that I am in, I have. A, I've been playing Traveller since the early 80s, more or less. Oh, I got a lot of stuff too, yes. 
and I have positive feelings about it from that from that history and nostalgia. And I'll be frank about that. So yeah. when when we get to engage with one of the classic traveller things, like um, you know now now we now we're doing doing the trade stuff or uh, you know the 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 legal nicety to the starport extraterritoriality lines. Yeah. Um, that 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 is a nostalgia hit for me. Quite separately from from the joy I get from your running of it. Yeah, it is a pleasure to have players on board who know something about the background and can, A, uh, create stuff of their own, point out where I'm behaving outside the lines, and I can say yes, or gently point out to me that I'm being an idiot, and I go, oh, which is what happened to us on Sunday. Thank you very much for that. Two separate total cock-ups in the same session. I was... Deeply annoyed with myself. Yeah, I enjoyed the game. Well, uh, yeah, I'm sorry it got, got cut short. Uh, be, be this as it may, and 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 uh, mutual admiration set aside, I I think that I think that the, to do this, you'd have to do a, a twin design uh, phase. Not you write down not only the effects that you want to have, the current world, but the but the deep truths behind uh, the current world, what's there to... And the places where it's going to start to show through if they follow particular routes. Yeah, I, I agree on for at least two reasons, one of which is that you don't want to just paste it on, you want to root it into the world. Yes. Uh, but also, too, as you say, so you can have a gradual revelation of, here is this slightly weird thing that makes no particular sense right now, but yeah. when, when the revelation happens, uh, or indeed when the PCs discover it, uh, which is obviously more fun for them... Yeah. Uh, th- then they will think, aha, yes, there was that thing. Th- th- and that was that thing. Yeah, I think they, 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 they don't, uh, they look, they, they, if they live in the, in the one culture, one central big, uh, civilization, and occasionally they meet people from other places and they, and they go to other places and see, that's a very strange way of uh, of of eating. Or uh, no, I, I can't I can't um, I can't taste that uh, that herb at all, and start worrying wondering about why are these people different from us? Why are the way, things they do different from us? But if you don't have slaves, who empties the dustbins? The dustbins, uh, the dustbins are sentient and empty themselves. Ah, I wish. Okay, so I'm going to say that with certain caveats, I don't want to make the caveats at the start of the campaign too obvious, too much of a, and yet I do want I do want them to be there so I can say, well, I did warn you, um, and they can say, oh, that's what you meant. Yeah, but, I, I mean, I, I, all right. I'm, I'm, I'm just saying a thing I've said before, but I, I think it's, it's not, it's not about confusing, confounding the players. Yeah, it's about intriguing them on a diff- deeper level. Yeah, and additive, not replacing, for me. Yeah. Okay, you said that, and I think that is the motto. 
for this uh, uh, segment. Additive. Add to the world. Don't replace the world. That if you're going to do a, I, I'm going to say um, something we've covered before, and I think applies it. If you're going to do a thing in which the the immediate setting of the game is immediately going to change, you you're at the moment of transition between one way of looking at the world and another between uh, uh, Renaissance and Enlightenment, um, between pre-industrial and industrial, between um, planet-bound and starfaring, mm. then you, then I think it may well be something that you want to put in and you want to um, you want want to if you get if you're going to have it to uh, to uh, foreshadow very very firmly in the setup. To talk about the mutterings in the lower classes, talk about the strange new things the sages have come up with, and let them know the world is 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 not going to stay the same. That though they may have been born into one world, they're going to have to find their way into another. But that's an attraction to players, I think, and not something that will repulse them. Hmm. All right. Having talked about design things and um, moral dilemmas and good manners towards your players, let's let's go and talk about something else. So, we know what the enemy's like, we know where they are, we've got to go in and do something about them. That means we need a plan. At this moment in time, I have to quote what my players always say. No plan can possibly succeed. Therefore, we will have no plan. Yeah, I I had a similar one, which is, uh, do we have a plan? No, but we did have a plan the last time and it didn't help. Oh. All right, so plans, plans, plans. And Uh, of itself, this is not a problem, but I think there are different ways of doing them, and at least some people find some of them very annoying. Um, So there there is the filmic model, which I think I would characterise as there is a short montage in which people look good. You know, they're they're pouring over the map or or they're um, using some mysterious device. Yeah. And then what actually happens is the plan works and they look cool, but then some complication happens and that's the bit they get to role play. Yeah, that is certainly a way to do it. I, I think if if you're trying to simulate the, the caper film genre, that is probably a pretty close way. Yeah. Uh, not not my favourite. Okay, go on. And, and the other way? Well, and... Uh, the other extreme is to actually plan. And if you have players who enjoy it, this is great fun. It's not a thing that keeps up a dramatic pace. So if you, if you have players who need that, or particularly if you have a system that tries to enforce that, it won't work terribly well. Um, well but it can be extremely satisfying to say, you know, it's not just, oh, yeah, yeah, we've got a thing that lets us move up the lift shaft, but okay, let's actually use the things we can buy without attracting police attention to build a thing that will let us move up the lift shaft. And then we will will make our 
buy th- buy things uh, without attracting attention rolls, and we will make our you know engineering and mechanics rolls to build the device and so on. That that, that is fun in itself. May I offer you the obvious difficulty of this approach, which is the GM has to do a hell of a lot of work. If you're the sort of GM who is going to dig out floor plans of appropriate-looking buildings, or, God knows, create them themselves, and is going to be able to answer the question, what sort of uh, schedules are the the paid security guards going to be on, and what sort of equipment and weapons do they have, and what is their doctrine? If you're that sort of high-work, high-research GM, then you can throw the problem at them and say, here find a way into this specific building. But most of us are too damn lazy for that. Uh, I would argue slightly that if you don't know, or at least can, can't can quickly make up those things, you're going to be in a certain amount of trouble when the players do something unexpected. Because well, at that uh, point you need to know, um, is there going to be a guard in that, in that back corridor they decided to use? Unless you have a system that that pushes so far down the narrative line that it says, "Okay, you got so many successes on your sneakiness that there will be no guard." <laughs> yeah, that is that is uh, certainly a possible way of doing it. Obviously, a GM needs the ability to improvise, but if you're going to um, if you're going to stage a uh, planning session, which has its own problems in group dynamics. And um, and often with the, the domination of one or two people's ideas. Um, on the other hand, the arguments are fun, it can't be denied. But if you're going to present that as a concrete sort of a problem that they have to solve, you need street maps, you need building maps, you need to be able to make that um, world solid enough to be able to be processed by their alleged, uh, their alleged intellectual pro- uh, processes. I think, to be fair, that making a world that solid is a good part, is a big part of what I regard as a, as my job as GM anyway. Okay. I, I want a world people can engage with, not just one in which, oh yeah, you're the heroes, you shoot the bad guys. I think you. There are different kinds of um, of uh, crystallization of 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 solidification of of the game world. Sometimes it's purely social rather than physical. But for a caper, you tend to need physical. I find uh, the, the extreme reaction to uh, to let's have a planning session and let's do it properly and let's enjoy it is something that happens in Blades in the Dark, something that Blades in the Dark and its derivations are noted for. Mm-hmm. And that is to say... Um, here is the job. What is your general approach? Now let's cut to the first scene where you face di- diff- difficulty, yeah. and see and see how it goes. Now, my players, I, I, I've been taking my our GM's taking a, a week off, two three weeks off, and um, and so I'm I've been standing in doing a related game, Scum and Villainy, which is the uh, Star Wars um, equivalent. The, the, the low the life scum on the edge of the great galactic empire and uh, and their and their criminal adventures and i'm finding what i should what i should have noticed before that it's 
that the players being old-fashioned sorts, they want the maximum amount of planning and gathering information they can get hmm. to to gel things before the uh, before I make that roll to see how deep they've got themselves in on the on the first try, and that isn't necessarily bad because the questions that they ask make the make me make the world more real. Well, no, he doesn't actually have a night watchman or. That door's um, not watched, or but you don't know what's inside the building. You 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 no way of knowing, and their reconnaissances and their failures to find things out make it more concrete and make it more real. But they still go ahead and do it. You know what I mean? Hmm. And that is the sort of presumably light- you have some guard some guarding in place to prevent them from observing so hard that they say, oh, yeah, these guys have no axe guards at all. Yeah, I, I think at this point you just uh, you just shift the moment of threat to a different, uh, to a different point. Um, you shift it to inside the building. You give them everything that their successes and their failures in the initial setup bring to them. Um, but uh, but you you can't you have to have tension somewhere. And yeah. You have to, yeah. But uh, but conversely, you have to be fair to the dice rolls and to the chances they take. So there's Sist- a midpoint system that uh, combines these to some extent, uh, which yeah. is you 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 do the preparation in a semi-abstract manner, and effectively you build up a pool of intervention points. Mm. Um, depending yeah. on how precise you want to be, that could be in specific things. You know, the, the things people are awesome at, as it might be disguises or recruiting people or whatever. Yeah. And then, as the complications arise, you spend those to deal with them. Complications. Uh, how do you feel about flashbacks? About that—that uh, that, that is in effect what you're doing here. I think you. So, yeah. th- this would be, for example, um, the police come in. And I, I spend my recruiting people intervention point to say, yeah, I, I, I know a bunch of guys who, who will provide 10 people in police uniforms to talk convincingly. And if you have the cop talk ability, you've, you act, you've gone to the real police and bribed them. Um, where this is hard, I think, is to, is to retain flavour. Because, I mean, e- even if you play out the flashback of I-, I go to the bar and recruit my guys who will dress up like cops, it has to be successful because, you know, otherwise it's it's a bit of a very... Yeah, in yeah. in in, uh, in uh, Blades in the Dark and its derived systems, there's a thing called stress, which is basically how much you've been living on your nerves and how much you've been pushing your luck. And if you go over the limit on it, it's bad. Um, uh, affect the character long term, mm-hmm. bad. But you can say I, I, I stress myself. Um, I stress, I stress myself to set up this uh, this flashback. And the more unlikely and outrageous the flashback is, um, then you, uh, uh, then the then the the more stress you you have put yourself into mm-hmm. in order to, in order to do it. And that's that that works. It's not. Though I expect somebody to write a forged in the dark system for it, it's not um, Bill and Ted's bogus, bogus adventures levels of uh, pre-preparedness, but it's uh, 
Post-preparedness? Post-preparedness, yes, yes. Ah, but I am going. I uh, but after this, I shall I shall go back into the past and place the uh, the uh, a fully loaded blaster here. Mm-hmm. Um, that that's Bill and Ted's ex- excellent adventure. The floor su- uh, suddenly dropping beneath your e- enemy and dropping him into the alligator pit. Is but the, I, th- I think a loss of the fun of a caper is that ability to say, "Well, I thought of this." unlikely situation and made a preparation for it and now you see the preparation yeah i think that and some the sudden flashback it, it's very useful from a storytelling point of view it, it it does really really clash with the um uh with the 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 planning session model hmm. of this though. well one advantage i think of having intervention points is that you only have to spend them on the things that happen and you, you can suggest in the background that, well, yes, you know, I, I prepared for 17 different scenarios and this is the one we actually, that actually came to pass. So therefore, this is the one where we see the preparations I made. But because I am that sort of mastermind planner, you can assume that I did, I, I would have been equally capable in all those others as well. This is, this is how we, we, we simulate Batman. Yeah, but also, uh, is it, is it, I can't remember that there's a thing Robin Laws calls it, the, um, that basically the the heroes get to be awesome over wildly inferior opposition beat. Mm. Yeah, which uh, you want you want some of in this because it is the emotional reward for we took this seriously, we planned for it. You you, you don't yeah. just say, oh yeah, okay, your plan works, but now thing. I, I think yeah. you, you need a reward for the plan working. Yeah, but sometimes you you. The thing you want to avoid, and the thing I don't always manage to avoid, is they get to the villain and you don't have anything to stop them. They get to the big bad boss, and the big bad boss is a pussycat because you, I don't know, bribed him with catnip or something. But um, there isn't um, there isn't any tension in the final scene. And the, and the story beats that Robin goes on about do require the, the 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 final scene to have something in it. Um, yes, though, again, I mean, he, he is modelling linear fiction, and by the accounts of people who like the systems that he's designed on this basis, doing a reasonable job of modelling linear fiction. But the non-linear style that we get in role-playing games, where you know there isn't reliable foreshadowing there isn't a reliable climax can be just as satisfying because i am involved in the decisions that make this thing happen yeah and my luck is sometimes the luck that makes this this work i think um, ju- just, ju- just as it's more fun to play a session than than to uh, listen to somebody else playing a session Poss- yeah. possibly uh, arguable statement there but certainly that's my general experience um, I've, I've never i've never got into watching actual play much um, or listening to it for that matter. Only on occasion. But um, I, I think sometimes it's okay not to have the climax, or at least not the climax you were expecting. Sometimes it's okay to say, yeah, the plan worked, we got through this place, and things didn't go wrong because we're that good. The, not every I time, did- but sometimes. I feel as I feel that the big bad ought to be able to live up to their reputation, up to the ballyhoo, up to 
he they're the big gun that you've hung on the wall and they've got to go off effectively at least once and on the other hand there's a very role-play inspired moment at the end of uh, guardians of the galaxy the first guardians of the galaxy where in which uh, in which the uh, the villain is frustrated uh, by star lord just bluffing and distracting him until uh, until until something more powerful can come along that that is fun. That is work. That is satisfying. But I, 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 st I still, I still feel that I want to have been smart enough to be able to say to the players, "Aha! But you didn't think of this." Or, "Well, you may have been beaten him, but he's decided to go out in a blaze of glory." Hmm. I want them to feel they got their money's worth for all their effort, and that's that's a thing I should prepare. More for in advance, more, and I. This is a, yet another thing I often say that the typical GURPS fight goes, thud, gurgle. Hey, Fritz, did you hear something? That that is that is how a fight should go because it's trying to be a, a heroic but realistic end of heroic system. And if you have a party who's expecting a, a D and D or Pathfinder big fight, they're not going to be happy with that. Oh, you, they should probably be playing Fang Shui, which is all about <laughs> the big final climactic fight. I but, mean, you can do things like that with action and so on, but but GURPS will tend to reward the real-world, sneaky, benefit. cautious approach. Uh, yeah, have you been, didn't you say you've been running some dungeon fantasy? Mm. How does it How does it work there? With what? Um, well, the the. The thing I think that is most different from the Pathfinder adventures that I'm running, I've obviously learned basics of the Pathfinder system, yeah. where, where it isn't D&D &D anyway, which is most of it, um, is that if you are losing hit points in a GURPS fight, it is a sign that you are losing the fight. True. The The contest is not... Can I outlast you on hit points? It's can I can I be better than you at defences? You know, you 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 have this great big deadly attack. I need to decide how how much I am compromising my own attacks in order to evade that, and therefore how much damage I can land on you, and that will determine whether I can win the fight, not how many actual hit points I have. If you're uh, well, Gertz being a realistic system, if you're losing hit points at all, you are. Potentially in a very steep downward spiral. The same, uh, the same is sometimes can be said for the big bad, but not always. And we should probably get Shimon to talk, talk about this at some point. But um, a lot of the things that, in Pathfinder terms, are hit points are better represented in GURPS by conditions, like like stunned or nauseated or whatever. Yeah. Uh, so that helps quite a bit. But there, there is still this feeling that basically most of the enemies are sacks of hit points. Hmm. So, and, yeah, that, 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 yeah. That's, I think, the, the main distinction. And in terms of planning, to get, get back vaguely, vaguely to our topic, um, <laughs> the, the, there's a... Pathfinder tends, or at least these Pathfinder adventures, I've been running the Kingmaker adventure path, yeah. uh, tends to have distinct encounters. 
you know, here, here is the thing that is in this 12-mile wilderness hex. Here is the thing that is in this room. Yeah. Um, I mean, yes, there can be connections. You, you, you kill the guys in this room, but one of them so- tries to sound an alarm first or something of that sort. But that is the exception. Mostly, each encounter is a separate thing. And as a result, I think there's a certain amount of we will go in, we will see what the situation is, then then we will make at least a tactical plan to deal with it. Uh, which often includes the wizard um, shaping earth and then turning earth to rock to, to suffocate whatever it is in, inside a um, small dome. <laughs> yeah, I, I my first thought into that is really big rooms, are they? Uh, oh, because... I'm thinking of the outdoor ones. Okay. Yeah, here, here, here are some some creatures in a cave which are clearly going to come out to attack us. Mm, yeah, nice cave mouth that. Shame if something happened to it. <laughs> yeah, the, the the complication should be that what you want is in the cave. The uh... well, that's right. You just wait a few hours till they suffocated, and then, <laughs> yeah, yeah. A geological survey may may be, may not be your friend. The, yeah, I think I I think yeah the, the the planning for that sort of thing is the moment at the set at the at you're setting off on the expedition. Shopping comes into mm. it at this moment. Shopping is not a delight for everybody. Well, and well, was it Aaron Alston who who described um, a lot of the role playing thing of the of the day as fantasy shopping for guys? It was it was somebody in the in the early or mid eighties. Here is this catalogue, and you, and you make your selections with a limited budget, but it's not your real world budget. The spirit of that is, is still around. It, I will point out that uh, Blades in the Dark and its its derivatives go for saying you're going in for this job. How much equipment are, are you carrying by weight? And the character has a list of things that are available to him. And as circumstances come up. They say, I think I'm wearing my heavy armour at the moment, um, and I will expend it to absorb the, the blow from the, uh, from the giant hydra. So mm. you only have any particular thing in potentia. Um, yeah, that, but- that, that feels to me like crossing one of the big narrativist lines. I, I do that a lot of story forms, yeah, you get to use the, each thing once. And if and if the same even if the same thing happens to you again, you need to find a different way of dealing with it. Yeah, there, and there are... I, I do quite like to be able to say, well, yeah, yeah, I've actually got this armor, and I'm going to continue to have this armor. I take your point. Yeah, the the thing is that that the rule in that system is you the thing when you fail, uh, the bad thing happens unless you take extraordinary measures. To make it not happen, mm. which costs stress, or it costs item off items off your um, off your of your character sheet. I I think there's probably room for a ah, how do I put this? There's probably room for a compromise here. It, it it it's so that you yes you you when you pull something out you've had it all along along and it's just now become relevant, and you continue to have it. For the next step of the, hmm. that make that that makes more sense. It is a measure. It, it is to restrict your capabilities because you have fewer points to come up with the neat big thing. 
Um, and, uh, and you've chosen it restricts your abilities because you've chosen either light encumbrance, which is so you can get away with being social, medium encumbrance, where it looks as though you are you're you're um, you're um, uh, loaded down with some stuff, and heavy encumbrance, where you look as if you are a hunter armored for bear. You, you've um, met my uh, pal's jacket then. <laughs> <laughs> what I was going to say was that this is a device for getting the players off their arses because they will plan and they will plan and they, and they will they will continue to plan until all the time available to them has been used up hmm. in in some in some cases it's very difficult to get some people to admit oh we abandoned that idea 20 minutes ago um and they say oh i didn't know that i'd like that idea and that you're suddenly back again at the start of all the planning. It's this is not a thing I've, I've met with my player groups, but maybe I've been lucky. <sighs> you've, you've been lucky. Um, I it, it's it's you want to get them going. You want to get to the interesting stuff, and uh, and and but they will will they will tend to the plan. I I think it's satisfying if you take a whole evening's um, session to plan in great detail something the GM has uh, provided a lot of material for. I mean, you can, you can, you can plan the, uh, the invasion of Normandy if you feel like it. But if what some people are coming there for is the action, is the involvement, it's the being there, then planning is something to be expedited, something to have happened in the background. Yeah, I mean, as... We so often say this is going to be, to some extent, a matter of player and GM communication. Yeah. And if if uh, you know a player comes up to you after the session and says, you know that that was really quite boring, well, fair enough. You you have a problem. You can do something about it. One thing I like to do, and this this may be simply because my taste runs heavily towards the characterization and role playing side of yeah. things, is try to make the planning in character as far as possible. I mean, at the basic level, this is yeah. oh right. I you know, seventeen sessions ago, I put a point in obscure skill, which turns out to be a thing we can actually use here. Um, but also, <laughs> my my character has a distaste for A and prefers B, so that's the thing they're going to argue for in the planning session, as opposed to I use my own immense planning brain and say, well, obviously, this is the best thing to do. <sighs> Yeah. To, to me, a, a lot of the difference between your, your dungeon bash and other role playing is that you should be able to take suboptimal decisions because they are the ones that you would take in character, and you should, and the game should not punish you for that. Uh, the other players may have a tendency to punish you for that, um, but uh, but that's part of their amusement. The yeah, it is very difficult keeping. Um, Especially in this, where people like showing off how clever they are, um, it may be difficult to keep the uh, uh, the the players from shoving in outside of the universe, outside of the game universe knowledge, um, let alone out of character knowledge. Sure. Um, I think I think if you've got the sort of system that allows it, you you get to say, have you got the uh, have you got the uh, archaeology specialising in Sumeria a skill? Does that sound like the sort of thing an Int 7 barbarian would come up with? 
No, but you might have sagas of the ancient days and uh, and and what my great grandfather told me around around the around the, uh, the fire. Mm-hmm. Well, that starts to go somewhere, yeah. Yeah, but on the whole, unless they can show a route by which their character would know it, I I think the GM has to say that didn't happen, which mm. is harsh. It, it's something you don't want to do too often. Yeah, I, again, I think this is a player quality issue. Um, one of the skills of a player as is to maintain character, maintain separation between player and character knowledge. Um, we, we've talked about this, I think, before with uh, mystery games. If we haven't, we probably should. That, yeah. um, particularly in, in your classic cosy style mystery, um, there is an intellectual puzzle and it's very easy to fall into okay either player will will take and assemble the evidence that i ha- that we've gained in character and, yeah. and come to a conclusion and it's probably frankly it's probably more fun to do that than to try to restrict yourself to doing it in terms of what your character would think though it should come into some extent i think that it's believable that a character sitting back and reflecting at leisure can do things intellectually very, very slowly that they couldn't do in a hurry. Hmm. You, the, the sort of intuition that Sherlock Holmes, in any of his versions, is shown as having is extraordinary and not something most people's brains are built for. Hmm. But, uh, uh, but sitting back, writing things out on pieces of paper, sticking things on court boards and thinking hard is probably within the uh, within the believable capabilities of most people and most characters. Hmm. You don't need to be a criminologist to know enough to solve a crime, though it helps in various ways. Yeah. Um, and the, the fiction helps here because it certainly has plenty of amateurs whose only real qualification to be a detective is, I'm quite smart. Yeah, I, I, can, uh, I can put together some of the things that other people don't put together because of my particularly weird background, or because I'm further away from it. I'm not emotionally involved. There, there are lots of reasons why you can be the detective, even though the professionals are also on the scene. True, and uh, the fact that I've never yet played a game. Oh, hang on, our. Um uh, that our uh, GURPS liminal game is supposedly about professional law enforcement people. It doesn't feel they're action professional law enforcement <laughs> people. <laughs> people. Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't. I don't think I've, I've played a game. Uh, say, uh, 80-80-80-360, Is that what it was, uh, Ed McBain? Um, I don't think I've ever played anything like uh, the the bullpen of detectives in an American city. Or, or even, or even the uh, the teams of detectives in a British city. There, I don't think I, I don't think I've, I've ever been in a campaign that tried to simulate that. The World War Two one was like that to some extent. I mean, the, these were theoretically intelligence operatives, but a lot of it took the form of this weird thing is going on. Let let us find out what it, what it actually means, and therefore stop it. I mean, it it was not just there are Nazis here, go and kill them. It was find out why there are Nazis here and frustrate their greater plot. I suspect even with a spectacular crime like a serial killer, most of what 
being a policeman realistically involves is writing things down, checking details, interviewing people, and then checking all the reports against each other and hoping the other people who put that wrote down the reports knew what they were doing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's... We only we only um, we only dramatise the dramatic moments, and there's no real way to um, there's no real real way to simulate no easy way to simulate anyway the paper uh, the paperwork and uh, and person and personnel management. Uh, we're playing paperwork and personnel management. Well, it, it, the thing <laughs> is, it needs to be fun. It needs to be fun yeah. to the players at the table, um, and. At the same time, it needs to be involving. I mean, you you could say, okay, for this campaign, you're going to need some administration skill. It's going to be quite important, yeah. and that, then you say, okay, roll roll your administration to see if to to get the quality level of the paperwork you did at the end of the last shift while while you, yeah. while you were trying to decide whether you needed the seventeenth cup of coffee of the evening or whether you could actually get home and get some sleep. This is getting to ask magical levels of of simulation. But at the same time, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't think it would be fair to ask players actually to write reports because for most of them that is not going to be fun. So I think they've been there and they've done that. They're probably mostly over over less exciting topics. We may hope. Mm. Uh, I think that uh, there is the problem that we are simulating a simulation of something imagined, mm. and uh, we are. We're using the tropes and motifs of um, of popular fiction um, and trying to make them work for the players and for the players to be there in that moment, and that's that's really quite hard. At the same time, we're we're trying to um, both maintain a sense of we only play the fun bits, and but the other bits happen as well. Yes. And uh, a really, a really subtle and capable GM will stick into the conversations of the NPCs that you meet ca- casually around the place. Some piece of information that should just bubble to the surface at the right moment when they need it. But um, ideally, I, I, I'm, ideally, <laughs> we're we're we're, we're counselling perfection here, and that's really not a friendly thing to do. Huh. I had a whole set of thoughts about about how inadequate my ability to run um, investigative uh, scenarios is. I would like to praise and thank all those um, all those companies, but especially just at the moment, Pelgrane Press, for producing good handouts handouts that will spark the the players' imaginations and move the story forward and can be taken in any number of different ways. And that's really uh, what, what you need, something to make it concrete and yet make it fantastical. Yeah, that's. I, I, I will admit I'm very poor at uh, constructing handouts, and I think this is a problem in my investigative games. It, it is great fun to be able to... You know, here is the piece of paper in the middle of the table, here is the PDF, somebody stuck at the website, whatever. And be able to say, ah, here is this thing that seemed completely irrelevant when we re- read through it two hours ago, but combined with this other thing we've just learned, ooh. Yeah. 
and um, yeah. even though that is happening entirely in the player's head with barely any involvement of the character, it's still good fun. Yeah, unfortunately, ma- many of my players know me entirely too well and know the kind of tropes that I tend to I tend to be a sucker for. Hey. Are we back? At, are we back? Have we go, gone very, very far away from planning? Oh, absolutely. And- but Any fortunately, we, 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 we can bring it all back back together because we know what the goal is and that's what we're here for. Yeah. Uh, what was the... Yeah, uh, was so, the somebody else has got notes yeah, on the I goal. Th- I, the goal you, was you were to, keeping notes, right? Yeah, I, I, no, no, I, I've got here written at the top in large handwriting on a piece of paper. The goal is to fill an hour's worth of chatter and... Um, and, um, and, and ideally, it, be I, I think, useful. oh, that's digression. That, that, that last word is digression. So well, we, we never digress. We we wander widely over our remit and come to many, many different conclusions in several different related fields. And I think that's fair enough. If you want to tell us about your cunning plans or your deep secrets and where you're going to bury them, then you can contact us via... Uh, leave a message on the website or email podcast at tekeli.ly. And we hope to be back in another month's time uh, with more joy, gladness and digression. <laughs>